This is a Research in Practice podcast, supporting evidence-informed practice with children and families, young people and adults. Hi, I'm Susanna Boyer, Assistant Director at Research in Practice. This is the third in a series of three podcasts about Sarah's experience and knowledge of her brother being drawn into criminal exploitation. The previous episodes analysed the business model of County Lines exploitation and how Sarah believes he became exploited. The push and the pull factors, including grooming, County Lines as a business model and its effects on family life. This episode will look at barriers to leaving and exiting and what needs to be overcome. We talk about how threats and violence hold young people in the County Lines gang and how societal drug use facilitates County Lines exploitation. Sarah reflects on the role of professionals and systems and puts forward suggestions of what might work. So the power and the sort of sense of belonging in that team um, that you've described really well. So if he or somebody wanted to get out of that world, what would be the ways in which people were kind of held in that world? If they, you know, is there, was there also fear related to being a part of that? Um, I think there's, it's not just your, you letting your own team down. I mean, it's, I'd liken it to something like a football team. Like, for example, when Fabregas left Arsenal and went to play for Chelsea, all Arsenal players hated his guts. And it's like that, but with violence and consequences that are more harsh. Um, If you imagine yourself as as one of the youngers and somebody like my brother as an elder, if my brother was to then leave after he's got you involved in something, um, they all do have this underlying feeling that they've basically been sucked into this world before they could understand really what was happening and they become part of it um, without really choosing to consciously. It becomes either maybe they live on an estate and their their life would be, you know, absolutely awful going in and out of their home without being part of the gang that's in the, mm. that estate. Or it could be being in school and having to face the same person. And that's in the best case scenario that they're in school. It could be going to a corner shop, your family being vulnerable where they live. I mean, there's so many times that I felt that maybe one time that he's in in prison, somebody might break into my dad's house because he was bringing all kinds of different people into into the home. It could have been somebody who he was prepping to be involved in yeah. in that kind of world, or or somebody who who maybe was a a relation that he was trying to build as you would in business development with a potential client or something and and building a relationship of someone he doesn't quite trust but he he initiated that kind of the relationship going towards that direction by bringing him into the home and these were the prices he would pay and it was it was not an expensive price to pay the vulnerability of your family um and so uh, there's all kinds of things that he would, that all, all sorts of ways that he would become vulnerable if he were to leave. Um, so that's, that's one aspect of it. If you were one of the elders and leaving, I think if you were younger and leaving, it might be easier. But um, with the other friend that I mentioned earlier that became a lawyer, I think possibly for him, leaving 
because he was constantly in and out and he wasn't ashamed of the successes he was having in other areas of his life. So everybody knew that he was going to college and he was doing really well or that he was in a relationship with a, a really, um, a, well, a, a, what would have been a dream girl for the other guys. Mm. Um, and he wasn't ashamed of that. He, he was working hard. Um, he got straight A's in his A-levels and went to university. I mean, although everybody else would be envious, I think slowly the areas when he started getting very successful and his he was it was showing that his life was going in a certain direction was the same time that the rest of them they were failing their GCSEs feeling like their op opportunities were kind of thinning mm. and so in a way they because they had this brotherly relationship they felt that um they felt really happy for him because he had an opportunity they didn't feel they had anymore mm. and so they they do have this this feeling of a family and so you would be a traitor if you left it um unless you left it um in that kind of organic way that you think okay well i've got the better option i'm gonna opt for that i don't need to earn money like this so all of these things that we think of as positive things, a sense of belonging, um, you know, a peer group that you can rely on. Yeah. Um, we all want that. Going we, into year seven, all of us dream of having yeah. stable friendships of loyal people who, who love us and who we can develop personalities with, mm. um, who we can share in all kinds of different fun, who make us feel special. Mm. And also, kind of um, a career path, if you like. You know that you can. There's a. You, you've got a. You've got money, income, and you can see a way to kind of continue to develop that income stream. You know, if you look at the older people involved. So, in a kind of mirror way, it was providing him with all of these things that are kind of what we all want, or you know, and, and positive attributes, but just in a in a very negative. Um, Context. Yeah, I mean, if, if I consider myself, or I'll say normal children without wanting to say that really, but people following the conventional path, you, money is not really, doesn't, earning money at that age, but before you're 17 plays almost no importance. Um, particularly if you're from a background that we were from, that my father was earning loads of money, there was no need for us to want to earn. Um, but it was the glory that maybe the other people that were from less privileged backgrounds saw in having money and having nice things um, that kind of made him glorify that having that stream of income mm. by whatever means. I mean, he saw other people's desperation, but everybody, everyone who 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 knows him. I mean, I I would have like boyfriends who would buy drugs off my brother, and that's how they knew my house, and it was just ridiculous. Well, that's quite an interesting aspect, I think, of all of this as well, because a lot of the um media coverage makes it like you know the gangs are over there and everyone else is over here but of course cannabis use and other drug use is incredibly normal behavior among you know kind of lots and lots of you know under 40 year olds or whatever in in the yeah. city and and lots of so-called normal people are interacting with people like your brother as when they 
make a phone call and get yeah. you know set set up to get some drugs delivered for them for the weekend there is yeah. it's not a separate world is it no no i had so many the way he would see the society was completely different it was as though he was feeding into people's secret addictions and he would he, he was facilitating other people who who were in need of him he, he that what he was offering um was demanded of by people and mm. and i guess he probably thought what he was doing was pretty important mm. it was bringing in a lot of money it was satisfying a lot of people he was not just providing drugs for his own age group i think this is also another quite important part of it because he would he would be supplying to all ages i mean that there, there would be you know middle-aged people working nine to fives who would call him on the weekend mm. just to think from that person's perspective opening your door to 16 17 year old and taking drugs off them for money it's as though society um also kind of feeds into it yeah thinking about um professionals engaged with your family and with your brother uh, individually if there's any part of that when he was a child or in that transition time when he moving between child and adult engagement with the police or with other services if there are any individuals or you know positive aspects of um practice that you might draw out for people to build upon no there there wasn't much help um in that period of time um he he had to do community service a few times and was arrested and let let um either he had to do community service or he was just let free and um given warnings and all kinds of things um but in general no support at all and it was something that the the police were really aware of i mean it, it happened often so maybe once every three months being stopped and arrested for something um and then he he went to prison uh, i think a month or two after his 18th birthday i don't think until then perhaps if somebody else had helped from an institution of some kind it w wouldn't have got there but i think that him going into prison really showed me how much the family could have done it's hard though for you know for lots of parents in lots of different ways isn't it and there are roles for you know where professional people can really at times you know with the right kind of work and the right kind of relationship yeah can provide some of that but so did, was he ever allocated a social worker, your brother? Um, no, so he's had um, parole officers. Yeah. Um, but they're not particularly um, fulfilling that no. role at all. It's not really their job. And if, if anything, they, they have to um, be almost the opposite to, to see where the situation actually is rather than a softer approach and trying to see where the, the gaps are but mm. um, they're avoided he's often late to go and meet them mm. they don't care they let him off for loads of stuff so it's really school and then the criminal justice system that's been mostly what he's had to interaction yeah. with in terms of professional and the, people. yeah the, the police
Yeah. And yeah, I think that that's about it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So there's, you know, in that way, there's a there's a real gaping gap there. It seems to me in terms yeah. of uh, you know what might have happened to to try and pull him back from that. It's you know while he was still in school. Yeah. In terms of you know youth offending teams or you know there's kind of roles that really are intended to be working with young boys young people in that kind of situation but it doesn't seem yeah. like that you know, no got onto and since he's been out of prison as well i mean there've been loads of like organizations that help rehabilitate and get you back into work and all these kind of different organizations and none of them have they've either been underfunded and not really followed up with him enough mm. um, or they've really needed the, the person to really step out and say I need your support in in such a firm and committed way and then it's never going to happen with my brother for mm. example and um, I think maybe it, it might help the guy that got drunk that one time and got done for GBH because he beat somebody up and he wasn't aware of what he was doing but still had to, you mm. know, has now got a criminal record because he's capable of that. But it's not going to help somebody who has a completely different set of values. Yeah. The culture and values, however however distasteful they seem to us, there's a, there's a set of culture and values that you're your brother's grown up in and is part of and, and, and has grown up alongside friends throughout that time mm. and can you talk a little bit about that about what that gives to him or what that provides to him uh, I think it's everything to him it, it means that he has companions in life um, that will defend him, have proven that they will defend him. I mean, for example, us as his family, we've been with him from the day he was born, but I've never had to physically defend um, him or put myself on the line or sacrifice myself on to, to save him. And they, they've all done that for one another on a regular basis. I think it will be difficult for any association to want to... to break into that I don't think it's possible because it, it's it's there I mean if you take the the this friend of his who's now in prison for life if if my brother is still that committed to him that he's in regular contact despite both of them being in in prison and still making communicating that love and support and um, you know just being there for one another uh, I don't think there's anything that could break it. I mean, even if they both tomorrow decided against the criminal life, that love and bond will always be there. I think that's the most valuable thing to them. I don't think there's anything... I, f I feel personally that he has achieved what he wanted in his life and he sees a fulfilling cycle in his behavior right now and the lifestyle he's chosen. I think because they are in it, because they idolize the people who they are following if there was some sort of um, escape in which they had a, a way of developing this leadership attribute type thing and having this high position or um, something to be proud of 
um, or, or a way of being praised and welcomed and appreciated outside of this gang and by others other than that those, those mm-hmm. people that they are so their lives are so intertwined with if they had that that alternative and they were promised something better than what they were able to earn in that environment then perhaps they might I might be swayed he may have been swayed at the age of 13 14 um, when he was still being used as somebody to just move drugs and maybe take some drugs take some cannabis um, but not later on it's just it's I think it's too indoctrinated and I think the best use of time would be to get those people who are still trying to live up to be something who haven't who haven't got the gold star yet to want to have something as an alternative to be appreciated for. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you haven't already done so, we'd encourage you to listen to episodes one and two in the series to better understand Sarah's experience. These look at why Sarah thinks her brother was exploited, particularly the push and pull factors and county lines as a business model and its effects on family life. There are helpful resources listed in the show notes, including resources on county lines, exploitation and safeguarding. Tweet at ResearchIP and let us know your thoughts on what you've heard today. Thanks for listening to this Research in Practice podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Why not share with your colleagues and let us know your thoughts on Twitter? Tweet us at ResearchIP.